0: Hello, I'm Dan McMillan, Head of PR at Vitality, and I'll be chairing the latest podcast in our Vitality at Work series. We all know that taking part in team sports or mass participation events is good for your physical health. But today we're going to talk about how it's also good for your mental health and how the positive effects can be replicated in the workplace. First, I'd like to introduce you to our panellists. Sean Sybil is Vitality's Director of Strategy. He created Britain's Healthiest Workplace, which is the UK's most comprehensive workplace wellness study. Andy McGill is Vitality's head coach. He works with organisations across the UK and advises them on how they can make their workforces healthier, happier and more productive. And today's special guest is Maggie Alfonsi, one of the most recognisable faces of women's international rugby. She represented England 74 times, helped her country win a record-breaking seven consecutive Six Nations crowns and was key to the team's first World Cup victory in 20 years in 2014. So, a 2017 study by the London School of Economics found that people playing team sport not only gained the health benefits of exercise, but had their long-term happiness boosted as well. Maggie, from your experience of playing for both England and Saracens, is this something you've seen and why do you think it is?
1: I think the benefit of uh, being part of a team is that you you find that you're 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 part of a community. So what's great is that when you're when you're winning, you're winning together. But also when you're failing, you're failing together. So to be how happy and healthy, you know when you're doing it with your teammates, you almost feel like you're doing it because you want to do it for them. Uh, And that's what kind of kept me going as a sporting person, but as a member of a team, because I wanted to be fit and active because of my teammates. I wanted to be better for my teammates. And when I didn't do so well, I felt like I was letting them down. So the whole team aspect was so key to that. Me, I guess, being determined and motivated and sticking in to the challenge. I guess the second part of your question, which was around about being happy. I think one thing I loved about being part of a, a group of individuals was the fact that these were my best friends. And I, that's one of the biggest things people don't really appreciate. When you're part of a, a team, you, you're almost like, not that you choose to be with them, but you do feel like you, the reason why you get up every day and you go to your training ground or you go to the gym is because you enjoy being around those individuals. So I think that helped with my happiness as well. And also when there was times when I was finding it very challenging, Uh, let's say I wasn't performing or um, I wasn't hitting my targets, having your teammates around helped as well. So I could go to those certain individuals who helped um, push me more, but also gave me more reason to be there. Uh, And that that really sort of helped towards my fitness, but also my happiness in in, in being part of a a group. Yeah,
0: okay, great. And uh, since you retired, I mean, you've been using your sporting experience to help inspire people, organisations as well, to understand the parallels between sport and business. And, I mean, why do you think sport can help? Why do you think that can translate so effectively?
1: I think what's great is that sport and business are very similar. So almost in a sporting uh, aspect and the sporting world, there's a lot of focus around having a target, working towards it and trying to achieve it. Also, in a sporting environment, you've got to get people from different abilities. You've got to recruit them to work together to, again, produce a product. So that's why I always say when I go and work in those environments, that there's such a huge parallel. And one of the things that I found, you know, some of the key themes is around uh, resilience. So that's a big that's a big topic where you feel that it crosses over from sport and, and business. So in a sporting world, there's times when you fail. You fail quite regularly. But it's about learning lessons from that failure. And in a business environment as well, you set targets, and there's times that you might not necessarily achieve those targets. You might have sales targets that you need to hit, and you just don't get them. But it's about understanding, okay, right, if I failed, how do I learn from that to ensure that next time I have a better shot at it? So resilience is kind of the key things that I feel that translates from sport to business. I'd also say um, leading high-performing teams is kind of a thing that was also... You can translate so in a sporting environment if you're a, a coach you have to lead really impressive individuals to be successful and you see that same in the business world so you've got you know your, your manager or your line director or whatever it is you've got to basically create this team and they've got to make sure that they're successful it's again how do you get them to work together effectively how do you ensure that personalities work um, work well but also any challenges that do come up, that they can also be resolved. So I think those are the big things that sort of can translate across. So it's the resilience, it's leading high-performing teams, um, and I guess it's also an element of building a, a culture. So in a sporting environment, you have to create a culture that it's all around, maybe um, around identity, it's around you know developing growth, how do you make your, your individuals better? And actually, how do you do that in a business environment? How do you create a culture to ensure that you've got people coming together, that they have an identity, they understand their identity, but also it's about making them get better? So, how do you stretch them? How do you challenge them? How do you help them develop a mindset? That's all about, I guess, being successful.
0: Great. Um, Andy, you obviously go into a lot of workplaces and advise them on their, their health
2: and wellbeing. And what do you think organisations can learn from team sports? I think Maggie makes some (coughs) absolutely brilliant points, and there's so much that organizations actually can learn from sporting teams. Fundamentally, um, Maggie's previous experience was a goal was to win the World Cup, for example, and organizations are different. Their targets might be with regards to sales or growth, whatever that might be. But fundamentally, it's a group of individuals forming teams and bigger teams to then work towards one common outcome. I think if we chat, there's something that's bounded around, which is something called corporate athlete, um, again, it's not something that we sort of stick to too to closely, but in the, the true sense of it, if you think about the world of a professional sports athlete, most of their year and season is built up of training, and developing, and resting, and then only performing at very specific key times. Whereas if you think about the day to day world of a line manager, an executive, a director, or even just somebody who's um, working in any role within a business, they probably have to perform on a weekly basis, sometimes even on a daily basis as well. So you can see how there's a, and then in addition to that, they've got to do all of the stuff outside of work as well and manage a busy life. So you can see how in terms of thinking about the balance between rest, recovery, versus performance is totally the opposite yep. for the average for the average employee working within a business, which again will have an impact on things like productivity. Mm-hmm. So Building on what Maggie has said previously with regards to teams thinking about, or sort of organisations thinking about themselves as a team, it's really employers have to then. I suppose it's a real challenge for them because they have to build in the build the environment, build the culture, provide install the provisions for employees to be able to whenever they have that downtime to rest, to recover, to reflect, to develop, so that they can come back and perform at a high level the next time. And again, that's. That's a real, real challenge, but again, certainly what we are seeing is a real sort of growth in this field, and particularly Maggie um, we touched on resilience, that is one area which has a lot of different ways to go down it. And again, ultimately, it's about trying to install and put in the provisions that suit your, suit your employees. Uh,
0: sure, um, both Maggie and Andy have spoken about culture. Um, I mean, what, what do you think, why do you think culture is so important within a workplace, and why do you think it really helps with the productivity?
3: I mean, culture is a is obviously a critical thing and drives um, just general behavior around health and well-being it has to be driven from the top down but culture becomes an input into driving a particular output so for example driving more physical activity driving better nutrition behavior driving better productivity there's a critical first step that you need to take before you start investing in culture and interventions and that for most companies is building the business case you're going to find that companies very rarely invest in interventions that cost them money if there's not a solid business case, some return that they're going to get. And I think that's where a lot of the evidence in the area around physical activity and work performance has been lacking. If you you look at the literature, for example, it's well established that more physical activity means better long-term health. There's not much saying that more physical activity means better short-term work performance from your employees. And that's really been our focus, to help make that link. And what we found through through our Britain South workplace studies is employees who engage in physical activity have about five days additional productive time every year, but solely due to that physical activity, so independent of all other effects. And importantly, for people who are not engaging in physical activity, if they start, you see they become more productive. So an instance where, for example, someone goes from doing 30 minutes to the recommended 150 minutes a week, they recapture about two and a half days of the five days of productive time they lose. So I think being able to establish the business case for it and once having that and getting the culture right to, to embed everything that Maggie and, and Andy had previously said, that there's no stigma around engaging in physical activity during the workday, that you can operate as essentially teams in environment, in running clubs, um, investing in interventions to support employees to be healthy, bicycle uh, storage facilities, shower facilities, all of that becomes important, and all of that is cultural. Um, so culture, without doubt, to answer your question, is, is absolutely critical in getting this right.
0: Okay, great, thank you. And I yeah, when you mentioned running clubs there, and Andy, uh, you do you have any examples of the kind of organisations that maybe kind of set up teams within their within the workplace, and kind of what were the results, and um, is it something? Perhaps you know a smaller company could do. I mean, SMEs are maybe listening to this and thinking, well, you know, if you're a multinational, you can you can do whatever you want. You can spend a lot of money and you can you can do this, set this up. But you know, if if you're kind of a, a smaller company, what can you do to, to, to do this? There's lots of examples of that, Dan, and yeah. probably
2: <laughs> just picking up on something that Sean said. One of the the simplest things that employers can actually do is give their employees time, so the permission, the time to be it. To exercise during work time, be it over at lunchtime, or to start a little bit earlier so that they can then leave the office a little bit earlier to then participate in sport outside of work. Um, but I think a key thing really is around getting together following work, or alternatively within work, within the sort of cohesive team environment. And there's probably something that we've seen lots of examples, and one thing that I, I might highlight here is that some are in a sporting sense and others are not in a sporting sense. So employers need to, as as we keep saying, need to be sensitive to the needs and the interests of their employees. So be it getting together to go for a run, or alternatively be it together to, for example, book clubs. You know, those sorts of things where you're coming together, I think, is a really, really important part of that. Because then that facilitates culture. But ultimately, if you think about working as a team in different environments outside of work, you're going to see different elements, be it different strengths, different sides to people's, your colleagues' personalities. And ultimately that's going to have a great great impact because on the sporting field, you know that this is your position and you're in that position because that's your strongest position. You're backed up by your colleagues because they're better at other things and stronger in other areas. So I think socializing, participating in that sport is good from a social perspective, but also from learning from others, be it your own strengths and weaknesses, but the strengths and weaknesses of others. And I think then bringing that into the workplace Surely that's going to have, in terms of short-term productivity gains, in terms of performance of the team, but long-term employee engagement, people are happy to come to work. They are then they therefore going to be sort of, they're going to stay with you for longer, so there's longer-term rewards in terms of retention and attraction talent as well. I think
0: you, uh, the word happy, Happy to come to work is, is something that's really important, isn't it? I mean, uh, Sean, is there anything from a mental well being point of view that kind of, the, the, in relation to this, uh, that we can bring yeah. out from British Healthiest
3: Workplace? Yeah, absolutely. We find physical activity as a behaviour which has a catalytic effect on other behaviours. I think that's why it's so powerful. If you can get people to change physical activity, other behaviours follow. And if you change lifestyle behaviours in general, you find mental health follows. So good lifestyle behaviours um, and high levels of physical activity equals better mental health outcomes. I think I just wanted to pick up on a point that that Andy made about the, the social impact of physical activity. and It's, it's a very interesting behaviour and area because what you find is very often a barrier to healthy living is cost. It's expensive to do it. Um, in the case of physical activity, very often it's not cost. You can go for a jog, you can go for a walk, it's free. There's a plethora of free devices, low-cost, devices low-cost apps out there that you can use to measure and track if you, if you want to be more systematic about it very often the issue with or most often the issue with not engaging in enough activity is habit formation is that people aren't motivated to start and even if they are motivated and start they can't sustain the behavior and that's where you find the, the social interactions are so important and from a social perspective physical activity operates differently to most other lifestyle choices. So if you think about when people go out, um, uh, choices they make around what they eat, how much alcohol they consume, how much they smoke are typically negative. In a group, those are worse outcomes. In the case of physical activity, it's the other way. If you get a group of people together, they push each other, the point that Maggie made earlier, it's positive. Um, So the formation of social interactions around physical activity is just uh, critically important to create the habits, sustain the habits, which leads to the better physical and mental health outcomes. Great. Can I just add on to that? Yeah, yeah, please. please Something which
1: I think is really key with the whole social aspect of it is that celebrating success. So when people do well in physical activity, I think what's great is that you celebrate people's successes in different ways. So if an employer celebrates an individual's success or a team's success uh, in a sporting sense, it has such a, a huge confidence boost on one's one's value of their ability so i think it's incredibly important that if you can really utilize the physical activity get people being physical outside of work um, and also celebrating what they've achieved outside of work you almost have that same impact on their work productivity because all of a sudden they feel like their ability has been valued significantly more even though it might not be necessarily a work uh, direct aspect yeah
0: great uh- I mean, obviously, you're kind of talking about success, successful teams. Um, I'm going to throw in a rugby question here. Um, if you must go ahead <laughs> and, you know, so you've obviously been in a in a whole whole load of successful teams, yeah. you know, during your rugby career. What would you say was the best team that you played in, and what made it the best?
1: Yeah, so the best team that I played in was the team that uh, won the Women's Rugby World Cup in 2014 uh, out in France. And the reason why it was the best team, um, first, I'll start off because. We experienced failure along the way so in 2006 we went to a world cup final and we played against New Zealand and we lost um, four years after that we went to another world cup final in 2010 and then we lost and then in 2014, we finally went on and won it. And that's why we are such a good team, because we went on this journey together. So the best teams go on a journey together. And that journey doesn't have to necessarily be success, success, success. Almost you need to have an element of failure to understand your teammates, and understand what your team um, teammates sort of experience when they go through failure, and how to bounce back, that bounce back ability. So that's what made our team probably one of the best teams, because we went on this journey, and we experienced failure, but we also understood each other significantly better. Another reason why that team was probably the, the best team is that we had such clarity. And in, in a team, and I think something to bring back to Sean's point, you almost said that business case. So we had a very good business case. We understood what we needed to try and achieve and how we we're going to achieve it. In 2006, we didn't have a very good business case. 2010, it was okay. But 2014, we were spot on. We all knew what we had to do. We were all very clear about that. And um, we bought into it, because it's great having a business case, but if you don't buy into it, like we see in our work environment, if you don't buy into it, you're not gonna necessarily get the right outcome. So we had uh, we all yeah we all had very good clarity and we all understood our roles in that as well. Uh, and I guess the last thing that probably added to that team being success- successful is that we were all leaders. And, you know, it's great having a team and having a good business case, but you also got to be able to, that every individual has to feel empowered, that they have an ability to contribute to the overall outcome. So in that sporting team in 2006, we probably had one really good leader who decided what the outcome should look like. 2014, we had a few more. Sorry, 2010, we had a few more. But in 2014, we were all leaders. So when things weren't going so well, we all knew how to how to problem solve when, when we're, I guess, playing. Where... Um, in, in, the, in the earlier years when things were struggling, we relied on one person to take charge. So the best teams have a variety of different individuals who are all leaders in different ways, but all countable, and when things don't go so well, we're all able to put our hand up, but we're all able to jump in and help support that individual, help support uh, the team. So that's what made us in 2014 a very good team. Also we won, so that makes, it, yeah. that, that <laughs> makes a a difference. <laughs> and
0: that accountability um, kind of side things is, is really important, isn't it? That kind of role that, you know, at, uh, the individual understanding their role. I mean, Sean, is that something that, that you've seen?
3: Uh, definitely. You, I think from an accountability perspective, and it comes back to the cultural point we made earlier, you can give individuals all the awareness that um, that you can possibly give them around their health, they still make imperfect decisions. Yes. That's the issue. Um, but by creating a point of accountability amongst leaders to help support employees to achieve better outcomes, you find you do achieve better outcomes. So one of the most um, Beneficial impacts that we've seen in, in an employment context is if you have someone accountable to the board If you start reporting to the board on health and well-being issues because you create the point of accountability You have a leadership um, a person in a leadership position who's responsible for achieving good outcomes They ensure that you get first followers, you know people who buy into this immediately once you have the first followers you start the movement you get the social interactions and more and more people engage um, so I, th- so I, think, I, th- I think linking all of those pieces together is, what, is what's important, awareness, um, uh, as well as the cultural aspects and the accountability aspects. Great. Brilliant.
0: Well, um, I, I mean, I think I could probably sum up uh, uh, from, the, from, the, uh, from the discussion today is kind of, you know, build a business case, don't, feel f- don't fear failure, and, uh, and everyone be leaders. I think that's kind of probably some of the kind of the key things that come out from, from today's discussion. Um, unfortunately we're going to have to wrap this up now but um, thank you very much to our panellists and thank you to all those listening today I hope you found it useful and enjoyable